Moiso, welcome to Fearless in Devotion. Um, I'm just welcoming you today because we did have a comment after last week's podcast asking us to stop welcoming Noel to every podcast. Is that, is that more me in my uh, pronunciation, <laughs> mate? I couldn't possibly comment. I don't know. But it made it made me laugh either way, the comment. Um, so thank you for that. Um, but we're just doing a short podcast today. Um, we know Tim, but we're going to be concentrating on Wrexham's away form at the moment following a disappointing loss again uh, away from home. It's been a bad run over the last sort of month or so in particular. And we'll be joined as well by Wrexham former centre-back Mark Crichton, a linchpin of our 98-point season. How are you, Mark? Very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. Good man. Um, thank you for joining us. Um, before we crack on and talk about on-the-field issues, Andy, you've got some red piping hot news, haven't you? I do have piping hot news, yes. Uh, it's not about the King. Um, it's about the lease, uh, the lease surrender update from Wrexham Supporters Trust. So a uh, friend of the pod, Barry Jones, sent me this. Um, so it looks like uh, it looks like it's nearly there. Uh, the lawyers have indicated we're now agreed, but they just need the owner's final sign-off. So I can't imagine why Ryan and Rob wouldn't sign off on that. Once the deed is formally agreed between us and the club, it will then be... Uh, approved by Wrexham Council, the Premier League Stadium Fund, and then everything should be should be uh, dotted and crossed. Liam, do you know what the Premier League uh, Stadium Fund is? Because that's a new one on me. Uh, I've got to be honest, I am not au fait with that one, so I won't pretend to be. I wonder if it's something to do with how they're funding the new the new cop. So, like you know, they sort of just give show that the the deed is now is now with the club and now it just sort of puts puts the funding from Wrexham Council and uh and the other bodies uh ahead. I do know there's been some drainage work um going on at the ground the last few times I've been past um some pretty large piping going in place. And I also heard talk from someone that part of the reason they shut the uh club shop last week was to do with the substation. So it sounds like there's stuff quietly going on in the background while all this is going on. I mean, they wouldn't start that work unless they were pretty positive yeah. that all this is a formality. So it's good. We're, we're moving closer and to the people who sort of say, well, why can't Wrexham Supports just, just give them give them the deed and be done with it? Well, legal process, everything has to be done by the book. And so this is just another hurdle that they have to go over before before the club gets gets the lease and can build that cop. Yes, and speaking of pipes, Andy, when you're delivering red-hot piping news, can you make sure you deliver it into the microphone, please? Um, we like to hear your voice in all its glory. Um, but moving on now, back onto the pitch. Back onto the pitch. Um, we're going to talk about our away form again. We discussed this a few weeks ago, um, and we kind of, I think, came to a sort of conclusion that it wasn't anything to worry about. And, you know, it was away form's never going to be as good as your home form. Andy, you're the person who watches us away from home the most, I think, on this podcast. What do you think? Has your view changed on that? So the sort of question is, is it a problem and are we overreacting? Because we're still third or fourth in the table uh, after coming up a division. Uh, our home form is absolutely peerless. Away from home, as you say, it's never going to be as good as your home form. So, you know, are we sort of overreacting by even saying this? But, but you know, this isn't a new thing under Phil Parkinson, is it? Because we had the same chat a couple of weeks ago, but we also had the same chat last season when we were also asking what is wrong with our, with our away form. Um, and it's come round again. Now, 
if you're asking me, is it a problem? Yes, because I do go to a lot of away games and a lot of them we really, really sneaked through. So Shrewsbury, for example, Shrewsbury had a load of chances. And if they'd have scored a few of them, I'm not sure that that team was set up to get to get those goals back. I think what we were doing is hanging on, hanging on, and hoping that we could pick them off in, in the second half. And I, and I know that's what we sort of do. We, we do have to put up with a highly motivated home team who really see us as a scalp. Um, but we're getting to the business end now. This should be where Repsom's big squad and sort of ambition in the transfer window should really be seeing us through against clubs who are 16th, 17th in the league, like, like, like Salford were. And we're not. We're, get, we're, we're getting outclassed. We're getting out muscles. And Saturday, me and Tim were, were fuming. And that's the last thing anyone wants. So oh, we don't, who wants a fuming Tim? Exactly. <laughs> before, before I come to Mark um, the Beast Crichton, Liam, why don't you give us a bit of context here? Just how bad is our form at the moment? So in terms of our home form, um, I, I'm someone who mostly goes to home games, so I don't know what all the complaining is about. But uh, <laughs> home form is basically top of the league in terms of League Two. Um, our away form, this is looking at the last six games, we are 20th in League Two. So it just goes to show the contrast really between the two. Um, although someone did make a quite an interesting point. If you draw up sort of everyone's form in general over the last sort of 10 games or so, it's a bit all over the place. Teams seem to be nicking points off each other uh, left, right and centre. And teams who weren't doing so well, sort of like Newport, like Salford, are actually starting to to pick up form a bit. So I think we... I, I personally think we're seeing a bit of the difference between the National League and League Two, where you know teams who are mid-table or even slightly lower might might grab points off you. But that's not to say that you know our home form isn't uh, sorry, our away form isn't pretty dire overall. Yeah, I'm just looking at this away table now for the whole season, and we're twelfth out of twenty-four. So bang in the middle. It could be worse. Obviously, a lot of our competitors do better. But interestingly, Notts County are 16th. Um, and then you've got Milton Keynes 10th. But crucially, Barrow 3rd, Stockport 4th, Mansfield 1st. Those are the teams that we need to be getting the better of, obviously. Right. All three of us, though, are um, not ex-footballers. So... Um, you, Mark, I'm hoping... Take that back. You, tell, you, you must have seen me at Fiberside. How, yeah, 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 how yeah, do you right. say I'm not an I, ex-footballer? I did spend one summer camp in Swansea City's Centre of Excellence when I was nine, and I was quickly thrown out. Um, however, Mark, um, is there anything that you think that could be behind this that is psychological or a- any reasons that you think could be... that, that w- the reason why we could be seeing such a gulf in, in, the, in the home and away form? Um, I think whilst I'll openly admit I've attended no away games this season, I've not managed to watch any either other than on the telly the other night in the FA Cup. Um, so, so it's really hard to to talk about how we set up away from home and you know and sort of tactical wise. But I I, I remember back to to, to when, when I played um, at the race course, and it was a bit of a fortress then, in all honesty, and it's because. You know, and it's even more so now. Let's be honest; it's an absolute cauldron in there on its day. Um, so, I think there is a mentality of 
when those boys are lined up in the tunnel at the race course, they're almost walking out there knowing they're going to win because the stats follow them out onto the pitch. Uh, and also they know what is in store when, when, when they're out there from, from a, a support perspective. But you're right, then there is the flip side of that, the away team, it's cup final day. Because guess what? We're going to Hollywood, all oh, la-di-da, we want to upset the apple cart. But also, they will know in their head that actually the stats are not with them either. So <laughs> mentality in football is a huge thing. It's, it's the difference between a great player and a good one. Um, the ones who can, you know, literally go wherever. You can play on a park pitch and perform exactly the same as in front of 10,000 people. Go and play at Wembley, perform exactly the same. It makes no difference how many people or what noise there is. You perform regardless. They're the, they're the best players in the world. Um, you know, ultimately, we're still only League Two, so we're not going to have any world beaters like that. But it's still, those fine margins make a big, big difference. Um but again, you know, you talk about how do you set up away from home? Do you set up differently? For me, remembering back to the sex successful teams that I played in, uh, Oxford and, and at Wrexham, when we were winning games, we never cared about the opposition. You literally, you do what you do best and that will see you through. Yeah. Of course, you're always going to have to be aware and have knowledge of opposition strengths and do they play slightly differently at home? there's an expectation that every home team has to come out and try and win the game because they're at home, right? So you're going to have to weather a storm of 15, 20 minutes. In any game of football, you are going to get some pelters. And that leads me to my next point where I think we've struggled massively this season is consistency, certainly within the back five. You know, it's changing week in, week out. The, the, the successful teams that I've played in are pretty much, the back five picks itself every week. Everyone knows who's playing if you're fit, mm. without doubt. So firstly, one of the key words there is fitness. We're losing too many bodies to soft tissue injuries, um, you know, where somebody suddenly comes back in the team. You know, I'm talking about your Aaron Haydens, who's a linchpin, in my opinion. I love him in that team. Mm. Your Jordan Tunnicliffe's good player. You come, They come in for a little bit, get injured, they're out again. And then everything's thrown up in the air. Our fullbacks change all the time. So we're not stopping crosses. Things are coming in the box. We are getting bullied in certain, you know, uh, games. That's why, you know, Tunney and Hayden, in my opinion, are old school centre-halves. They will... Yeah put their head in where they're going to get their face kicked off. So you've got to have that. You know, even though, you know, we're League Two, it's League Football, the, the standard and fundamentals of that got to defend crosses into your box is still the same. As you go up the leagues, that becomes less and less. Mm. Um, but that's one of the biggest issues, I think. And you guys might be able to, you know, tell me I'm wrong, but I don't think we've had a consistent team for a long period of time. No, and certainly across the back. And I wonder on that point, picking up on that, Liam, the your waveform has definitely got worse in the last month or so. And it's quite clear, possibly, that, that we, we lost one player there who has been quite consistent and has found his spot in that back three, which is Tom O'Connor, right? Yeah, considering he was brought in with everyone thinking he was going to be, you know, one of our best centre mids. I think actually he's turned into one of our most important defenders just by virtue of the fact he can take the ball at feet, he can carry it out a bit. You know, when teams are pressing us quite high up the pitch like they were on Saturday, he's the one who can get the ball moving, get it out into the 
midfield. So for me, it's no coincidence that he's got injured, unfortunately, and you know we're struggling a bit. That's not to say the other lads can't step in, but when you're looking at players who've just come back from injury, it's actually quite a tough ask for them on Saturday for the two lads to step back in like that. Yeah, and, and Andy, is it, you know, it's 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 difficult for Tunnicliffe and Hayden in particular, isn't it? Coming back into the tough away game like that where they played so little football. Yeah. Will we be looking back in about two or three weeks' time thinking, oh, it's like having two new signings. We've got them back full time and they're at their best and, you know, they've settled in and we'll, we'll be normal services resumed. Well, maybe. I mean, it was quite telling uh, what both of them were doing on Saturday, which is getting the ball and not looking to play into midfield at all, but going long. Now, that was what we were doing maybe a little bit more last season when Palmer was a was a fixture and you could build off him. With Dolby and Mullin at the moment, they're not going to win all those headers. So a lot of the times, those balls were just coming back. Um, and it was a little bit like he was throwing the baby out with the bathwater by picking both of them. Um, I still think you needed someone like, you know, Max Max isn't the finished article, but Max can bring the ball out of defence and can start an attack. Tom O'Connor certainly can. So you've gone from that style of playing to very quickly going into a very robust, very sort of almost, as Mark said, old school way of playing with, with two old school centre-halves and they were clearing their lines as much as they can and they were they were playing the long ball a lot and I think it was quite telling how we couldn't really build any attacks and maybe it would have been better to play one of them with Max. Because Max and play and listen, those two players would have both been nervous about returning yeah. to the team. We I don't believe we have a reserve team. So they they both basically had to go through another preseason but without the games to get match fit. So they're both starting a game, a big game. Let's be honest, it's a big game. Um, both thinking, first and foremost, I've just got to get through this because I don't know if I'm fully fit to, to make to last 90 minutes. So actually, when you've got your ball at your feet, you don't want to make a mistake. So the further away it is from you, the better almost. So you can't really blame them for that. Um so you, you might be right. They might have been better off just easing one in at a time. Um, but that's from their perspective. That's probably why they're doing that. Oh, you know, it was great to see Hayden back. And it was a surprise to see Jordan. Um, but, you know, Hayden gives you so much in the air. He's, so, he's such a, a danger from set plays. Both it's, boxes. You know, yeah, if, well, look, at the, if, look at the goal as well, right? Yeah. You know, the impact he had on that. So, yeah. Um, it, 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 what's your... Just on this, before we go on to other stuff, Andy, what, what's your starting back three, do you think, if everyone is fit? If everyone's fit, um, I think O'Connor, because I think you need someone to play the ball ball out. I think Toza, um, I actually mm. think that earlier in the season, I think Parkey was looking to play O'Connell instead of Toza, and he would become the starting centre who could, you know, the the... the the sort of the guy who will bring the ball out of defence, the guy will organise things. And I think because he got injured, that never really happened. So I wonder if long-term Parkey is thinking that it would be O'Connor, O'Connell, and I'd like Hayden, but mm. the guy can't stay fit. I don't think he's going to get a new deal. I don't think he wants a new deal. Um, oh, really? And what you can't have is, sorry, I'm just trying to like crawl. 
Sorry, very very off putting. Uh, I come away from Andy while while some he d- deals with whatever incident he needs to deal with at his house. Um, sh- shall we let let's take off some of the other stuff? Um, Mark, one of the co- the complaints that's been levelled at um you know the the team and Parky this season is perhaps a, a lack of willingness to be flexible with that formation when things aren't going right aren't going right you know we we, we play a 352 or 532 however however you want to describe it um occasionally I don't, i'm not sure we've done it as much this season um but last season you know where we were chasing a game we would move to a 433 you know it is do you think there's an inflexibility here that needs to be sort of massaged out i think i think we are very rigid in the way we play um and that's where you know whilst i don't go to as many games as I want to. I'm always following the feeds on Twitter. I'm always, you know, people know their football around these parts. You know, you can trust what they're what they're saying. Ninety percent of them, maybe. Um, sorry, Andy, <laughs> not you. Um, I'm just kidding, mate. I'm just kidding. Um, so you kind of hear from the sort of very very sidelines as to what's going on but I've always felt we're quite rigid in the way we play um, Andy just hit on it then I thought our season prior to last hit the turning point when Palmer signed because we always played as if we had a Danny Wright in the team but never had a Danny Wright in the team so the minute he signed and and he went straight into that big number nine role suddenly Paul Mullin got his legs going because that was what he was always missing. And then suddenly we start winning games because that's the way we played. You start trying to do that like with your, you know, your likes of Dalby and your Mullin up top. It doesn't work because you've got good players at this level. They'll win your headers and they'll win their tackles. So you've got to be a little bit more creative than that. Um, so I do think sometimes we're very predictable. You know, it's set plays, it's long throws, and it's you know, it's it's long balls. Every now and then, I've seen us have some really nice passages of play. Um, the only thing that I will say I noticed about us, and it's the first time I've seen it, and again, correct me if you think I'm wrong, but when I was watching the footage of the build-up to the FA Cup game um, the the other night, and I saw us getting off the bus, and I saw us arriving at the ground, and it was. The first time I saw us and I looked at us, and I thought we looked a little bit like big time Charlies. I honestly thought we looked like we were, you know, we've arrived, we're, we're here instead of the underdog, because we were the underdog in the FA Cup. I thought we looked a little bit cock a hoop. And I think we got bitch slapped that night a little bit back down to earth. So I, I don't know whether some of those sorts of things are now biting us on the backside a little bit, maybe too much exposure, maybe too much. It's all a bit of a la-di-da fairy tale story. Maybe we need to get back to basics and concentrate on the football. And you, you talked earlier about the um the psychological impact that teams coming to the race course have that, you know, they're lining up coming out sort of, you know, when they're about to walk out onto the pitch and they're thinking, we're not winning this. And the, yeah. our lads are thinking, we're winning this, even if we play yeah. crap. You know, as yeah. in, like, we know what we've got to do, we work hard and we'll win. How much does that play a part now away from home? How much do you think possibly does, how much of a millstone does this kind of form become around your neck if you think, oh God, everyone's talking about a terrible away form. Yeah. Uh, we haven't got to win on the road now in, in, in a month or whatever it is. We can't, we just can't win. And it just becomes like a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, I, I would say that we need to maybe just, for the next away fixture, I don't know what, what that is, but we need to grab the game by the scruff of the neck and just go and win, win it really ugly. 
I'm I'm throwing a Luke Young back in there, and I'm just going, just go and be nasty, just go and be nasty, horrible, and win a game, and just break that whole duct. Um, for me, it's it's the players now. I've got to break that. They're the only ones who can go out there. Listen, it's, at the end of the day, it's eleven v eleven. No matter where you play, could be in my back garden, not big enough. But if you can, you know, eleven men against eleven men, that's it. So just go and do what you're good at. Go and do what's been successful and forget about all the noise around it. But they've got to put it to bed. Nobody else can. We can talk till we're blue in the face. It ain't going to change anything. I just checked. Our next away game is Saturn United away, right? So, yeah. If it's going to be ugly, it's going to be there. Um, (laughs) Perfect. Can I just talk about something which is something that gets bandied about a bit? And I just wonder what you guys think about this. It's the parky ceiling. It's where we or fans think that Phil Parkinson can actually take us. Uh, And what I mean by that is because he is so rigid with his formation, is there going to come a time where other teams with, you know, similar budgets will be able to eke a little bit more out of their team because they're a little bit more, more fluid than what we are. And now a lot of people sort of think that maybe, maybe the top echelons of League One is where we may see this, this, this parky ceiling. Now, firstly, am I being unfair? Um, and secondly, you know, could a coach like that change? Could he sort of... I, I do sort of see that he's trying to evolve the team a little bit. And there was a time where we were playing three ball-playing centre-halves in Toza, um, George Evans and um, Tom O'Connor. And it seemed to work for a little bit. He, he, he went back to he went back to it because he, he probably thought we were losing too much from not having George in midfield. But I could sort of tell that he was trying to evolve the style a little bit that we would probably need to do to go up again. You know, if we do go up, Next season, League One's going to be going to be a completely different prospect. So I don't know. I mean, Liam, what do you think? Is there a parky ceiling? Am I being a am I being a bit facetious? Uh, I've seen a few people mention it, and it wound me up a bit, just only because of the fact that he's got two teams into the championship before, and you're talking times when he didn't necessarily have a massive budget either. Um, you know, I, I get that he's not what you'd see as a you know a sort of fashionable modern manager in the style of, of Luke Williams. But I think to say that he can't get the results to get us there, I, I don't really agree with. You know, it's all, it's all this thing of style and results versus, you know, all that type of thing. And I just think, give him, he, he deserves time. I mean, he's, he's got more credit in the bank for me than any Wrexham manager in a in a long time has. So, I mean, yes, we w- we'd all like to see him, you know, loosen it a bit and be a bit less rigid but talk of a parky ceiling I I struggle with that a bit I think it's I just think it's a bit disrespectful to the guy love the idea of a parky ceiling though it's like the laugh a curve isn't it it's like a what do you mean, like the, the Sistine Chapel but it would just be pictures of uh, of Phil Parkington <laughs> To put Chuck my 2P in I agree broadly with Liam I think you know if there is a ceiling then I don't know. My gut instinct would probably say it's the championship. I, I, I've seen no, you know, as as you say, he's shown that he can get teams into the championship, um, but has possibly struggled there in the one occasion, sort of that he had a team there properly. Um, it it seems to me, you know, you you do get the usual suspects come out now and say, well, I've always said this about Parkinson, blah blah blah, blah. and you just think, well, hang on, you know, how many points did we get last year again? One hundred and fourteen, and they were saying it whenever we had a tiny wobble during that that season. It was like, oh, Parky's terrible. We'll never get far with him. 
seems a bit and un- well seems very unfair frankly and, and I, I kind of feel the same now you know we we see things in a microcosm don't we right now especially for people like you Andy I know my old man as well you know I was at the Newport game my dad was at the Walsall game you know we all watched the the Blackpool uh, Blackburn game if you didn't go we watched it on telly and the performances were terrible so it feels really awful right now but when you zoom out it's it's not there's a we're having a wobble right mm. there's no yeah. doubt about that and it's just can we get four points from the next two games. And if we can, as far as I'm concerned, the wobble's over and that's fine. Even if we don't actually beat Sutton, if we beat Bradford at home, draw against Sutton, right, that's immediate sort of slump in form averted. Let's push on from here. I think it's how teams react to these kinds of wobbles. That's yeah. the most important thing. And, and I, to- I totally agree with you, Reese. but that's on the players. Yeah. It's yeah. the players who've got to react, not Parker. He's been there and done it. Listen, mm. and, and every manager and every coach has to evolve. Because the higher up you go in the levels, those fine lines become even finer. So the attention to the detail of what you put on through the week of training really, really matters on a Saturday. Yeah. And, you know, I, I saw it with Chris Wilder when I was at Oxford with him. He very much relied on a decent budget and almost having good players that could manage the pitch and and what was going on themselves. He would always set us up in a great way, but he trusted us to make decisions on the pitch. Now, as he went up the leagues, he started to falter and you saw it at the top level with with Sheffield United. I mean, he had two great promotions and then all of a sudden it was like, got found out second season in the Premier League and didn't really have an answer to it. Mm -hmm. So every manager and coach has to evolve, but it's the players now that have got to go, hang on a minute, this ain't the gaffer. This we, we've got to go and just break this duct and go to sort and get a result. Yeah, yeah. Um, Andy, on the pitch again, in terms of the some of the stuff that's going wrong. I mean, I know lack of pace has been stuff that's that's mentioned, right? I mean, we, we've. Are you feeling a little bit better about that because of some of the players we've signed? Sent a shiver down my spine. That did lack of pace. <laughs> <laughs> are you laughing at him? <laughs> No, you you were graceful. You were balletic in your uh, in your approach. I've never uh, ever been called graceful, by the way. <laughs> I think you gracefully kick people up in the air. Um, there's certain things that we can control, and there's things that we we can't control. So what we can't control is home teams really being up for it, pitches not being great, referees not. Not not being any better than than the national league, I don't think. In in, in some some have been some have been terrible. But there are things that we can do. You know, we can control. Yet we don't have a second formation, so so teams do know how to set up against us. We do start slowly, um, and I do think we do have a lack of pace. Now, right, uh, Luke Bolton's been brought in to solve that. Either be on the wing, although I am still sort of thinking he might he might have a role up front at some point as well. He didn't have a great game against Salford, but it was hard for him to come in against his his old his old club and we were already losing. So, you know, it's 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 hard for him to come to come into that. Andy, can I ask you, is is one of the concerns that we've got quite a few quick people in the squad, but they're mm. all fighting over two positions. So yeah. Mendy, McLean are both flyers. Uh, and then you've got Barnett, Ford, and Bolton, who are all really quick as well. But they're all fighting for the same position, and because of the, the formation, they're not on the shoulder, are they? They're playing. They're playing wing backs, so they're yeah. not going to. They're not going to be at the full fulcrum. A bit basically the way I see it, and I think this happened against Newport, and it happened to a certain degree against Salford. Is 
that their defense realize we don't have a lot of pace up top. And so step forward a little bit. They squeeze, they squeeze us. We've got less room to work in because they know that we can't go, go behind them and hurt them. And so they don't have to worry about that. Newport especially did it. Salford didn't do it as much, but you could see that you could, they could, they knew that, that Dolby's not going to run, run past, run past them and, you know, and, and really burn them for pay. Same, same with Mullin. Now I, I do sort of, you know, the question we all had last, last week was Jack Marriott, is he quick? Well, Apparently, you know, he's not lightning. And again, he didn't have a great game on, on Saturday. Uh, but, you know, we were losing. There was one time where he, he he came in, he had the ball in front of him. I thought he could either shoot or there was a pass on, but he absolutely ballooned the pass to to, to his left and it went, it went out. It's one of those things, and we sort of talk about it, if a striker starts well, that confidence is flowing through them. If they don't start well, it takes a bit longer to get going. And I did feel for him a little bit there because he was so desperate to impress that he's he's overcooked, overcooked it a little bit. So to go back to your question, um, what was your question? <laughs> do, do, we, do, do we have too many fast people competing for the same position but, where yeah, they don't I, have other positions that they could be playing in, basically? And I think that's maybe why he's brought Bolton in. Look, and as I said, I, I wouldn't surprise me if away from home, maybe Bolton goes further forward. And maybe tries to stretch teams. And do a we go to a four-three-three? Because Barnett be, has played higher up as well, hasn't he? Right? You know, he could yeah, play yeah, and he did up. against Newport. Yeah, that's where you want your pace in a four-three-three. Mm. You yeah. two wide men, your your big number nine down the middle, or even Mullin just chasing Chris Packets everywhere. Yeah. You put pace three three quick lads up top. I say quick Mullin. Mullin's in between, so he's not sluggish, yeah. but he's not rapid. Um, that would cause problems, in my opinion. But he's got to want to change to a three. Mm. Mm. Well, lots to lots to talk about. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Uh, I mean, I, one thing to say as well is that there's kind of been a perfect storm of things recently, as you were saying, Andy, w- with the away forms, and that we've had a couple of sendings off. Like the Newport game, you know, I don't think you could, you could blame any team for losing one nil after going down to, to ten men. It is ill discipline, though. We've we've had a few times where we've had people sent off, and that. Yeah. You know, when we're under pressure, the last thing you you want is to go down to ten, and it's happened. It's happened a lot. Uh, we have managed to ride the storm and even you know take take points, even though we've gone down to ten. Especially Crawley away, where we played a large section of the second half down to ten men. But it, mm. you can't always do that. And you know, we got a sending off against Swindon. There was one against Crew. The one against Newport because it was so early, sort of killed us. So the indiscipline, it that's a little bit worrying. Um, and as Mark said earlier, we've had a lot of injuries, and are we really coping with the injury disruption as 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 well as we we could be? Um, it's it's strange how we've got such a good medical team, but everyone always seems to be injured. Um, well, well, we're either we're either undercooked or overcooked, right? So we're either not fit enough mm. to, to to go the distance, and there's a lot of games in this league, you know, they come thick and fast, or um, we do too much on the training ground, you know, and then we're getting fatigue injuries. So none of us are privy to that. We don't know. Um, but it is an alarming amount of soft tissue injuries that we pick up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we promised a shorter podcast today, so we're going to stick to that because and we're not going to ramble here for an hour um, talking about our bad away form. Let's put it into some context, though. We are fourth in the league, one point away from Automatics with two games in hand on Barrow, um, and we are two points behind Mansfield 
with a gaming hand also. So it's not just, disastrous. Yeah, and, and another thing, last time, last season where we had this sort of state of the nation, why are we so bad away from home podcast, we were great away from home. For, yeah, yeah. For so uh, this is why yeah. we're doing it, guys. We're going to do this away form podcast every week until it actually improves, and then we'll take all the credit. <laughs> um, so before we go, let's do uh, predictions quickly for Saturday's game, which is Bradford at home. Uh, Andy, why don't you kick us off? Should we do Sutton as well? Or we'll Sutton? Oh. Yeah. No, we'll we'll talk before Sutton, I reckon. Okay, Bradford. Uh, I'm not going. It's the first one I'm going to miss in a while. Um, I think Bradford, for the size of the club, are really, really low down in the league and not where they, they would want to be at all. I do sort of think maybe the manager that they brought in long term is that going to be a is that going to be a good fix? I'm I'm, I'm not so sure. Um, uh, add to that to the fact that we do need to win. Um, I think we will win. I think it will be hard for, but we'll we'll eke out a two-one home victory. Everything um, will be rosy again. There we go. Yeah, I'll go next as well. I'm also going to say that we're going to win, but I agree it might not be pretty at this stage as well. It doesn't need to be. It's just get the three points any which way. Um, so I'm going to say a one-nil win to Wrexham with a second-half winner. Uh, Kreitz. Yeah, I'm I'm with Andy. I think I think we'll concede. Uh, but I think I think we will win. Um, I, I, I was going to go two-one. Nice, Liam. Final thoughts from you. Um, well, you, we call these crises. It's not really a crisis, but in Wrexham terms, it is quite often we respond well to these. So mm. I'm going to be optimistic. Back us to do it, and a four-one win. I'm going to go for. Whoa. Whoa. With Anthony Hopkins cheering in his rack suit as he does week <laughs> in, week out. Yeah the last few years and we didn't even know incredible even know man that. for his age he's doing it this whole this whole season brilliant stuff well thank you anyway everyone for listening thank you to our special guest Mark Beast Crichton Thanks appreciate your time me. thank you and we'll see you next week bye everyone see ya cheers bye 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 bye